Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Jewish Teen Talk. Hi, everybody. We have some great questions that came in recently, and we wanted to address the ones that are pretty time sensitive. So yeah, definitely felt like some of them should be addressed immediately, and we wanted to get to those right away, and then we will get to some questions that we have from October, and uh, hopefully, Be'ezus um, Hashem, uh, have some clarity for people who are struggling. And, uh, and, and maybe... also people who are curious. Absolutely. Um, and we are, like we said, you know, I'm Jewish Teen Talk in the past, and it always... Um, it's always good to repeat that whatever questions come in, we address them. So if you've sent in a question and we haven't gotten to it yet, hang in there. We will get to your questions. Um, we also wanted to announce um, an idea that we've had on Jewish Teen Talk, which we wanted to propose to our audience. So I think it, it, it seems like there are a lot of teens that want to be um, their voices to be heard. And this is a Jewish Teen Talk uh, platform. So we were thinking of having these roundtable discussions of up to four teens, uh, maybe once a month, maybe more often, where we can discuss some of these questions together and see what happens. So if anybody's interested. Yeah. If So if you're a teen out there that you want to be featured on Jewish Teen Talk, you want to have an opportunity and a chance to respond to questions, real questions that come in worldwide then reach out to us, please. You can reach out to us on our website, jewishteentalk.com, and just make sure to put to make sure to submit your email so we have a way of contacting you. Getting back you. to you, right? Yeah, and we're always open to any teen, teens out there, Jewish teens who want to be featured on our podcast. We, you know, as long as you add your email, because if you don't, we don't know how to get back to you. It's a very anonymous. Um, the platform on our website. But if you add your email, we will definitely respond in time and we'll set up a time to interview you so you can mm. be featured on this podcast. Yeah. Okay, so without further ado, we'll jump into our first question, which we felt, again, was time sensitive, being that um, the questioner wrote, I'm having a SEM interview soon and I'm not sure how to represent myself in front of adults. I feel like I must get in because of social and family pressures. In general, I'm very shy with new people. Being that I'm going to SEM next year and I grew up in a small, close-knitted community, I want tips to make this easier for me. Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I guess something that is interesting is that, um, I, you know, adulting is not easy, even as an adult, you know, um, <laughs> co cognitively... The, the prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain that helps with decision-making and ideas um, is uh, developing as a, a teen. And actually, the uh, physiological teenagehood does not end until your 30s. So that's one thing. Like, it, it totally makes sense that you don't know um, how to represent yourself in front of adults. A lot of adults feel that way too. Also, when people go through stuff in their childhood and they... Some sometimes they f they stop growing emotionally as children, and then, um, it's, you know, they kind of feel like they're children, just trying to be adults. Um, so I I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the direction that you're going in, but I feel like, um, you know, not knowing how to 
present yourself as one piece of this. Um, but then I think th it sounds like also that you're not sure what you want to do. Like, is this for you or is this because of pressures? Because, you know, I'll tell you from, from my experience, and I think Bashi has had the same experience, that many times we feel like we have to do something and our life has to go a certain way. And our lives have definitely taken twists and turns that we never thought would have happened to us. And, and, you know, after a lot of hard work, it turns out to be the best thing that could have possibly happened. So I just want to challenge this idea that I have to get in. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, if it's something that you want to do and that's important to you to do, and that you feel like this would be the best next best thing for you, that would be one thing. If it's only because of of, of social and family pressure, then I'm not sure that I want you know to encourage. Right, and and if I could jump in, it seems like getting into this specific seminary is social is because of social and family pressure. The way that you've um, structured your question, and again, we don't know you know you personally, but. The way that you wrote it was, you know, I feel like I have to get in because of social and family pressure. And then in the next in, um, two sentences afterwards, you wrote to us, be, being that I'm going to SEM next year and I grew up in a small community, I want tips to make this easier. So from what I'm understanding, like you are going to SEM next year mm -hmm. and going to SEM just for any of our listeners who maybe don't know what SEM is. It's basically um, continued studies, continued Judaic studies. It's, it's SEM, is short for seminary. Um, and it's basically where girls, you know, graduating from high school will continue on with their studies for a year or two before going out into, um, you know, going and pursuing a career or getting married. Dating, right. And it's, it's a good year or two of, you know, continuing with the foundational values and and, um, you know, sometimes girls can get a teacher's degree as well. I know that there are teaching seminaries as well. Yeah. And, and they can earn credits, too, when they go university credits. That's right. Yeah. But de but um, generally speaking, it's the idea of, you know, just having another extended year or two of um, really um, developing into a Jewish woman who has strong values and where we know our place and we know what's needed from us. And in many seminaries, you know, there's a lot of also outreach work and, and ways that girls really are able to develop into young women. Um, I myself went to seminary for two years. I did not go to seminary. <laughs> um, and I went to a local seminary. Um, but I do get you that sometimes, you know, getting into a certain seminary is, you know, possibly from family pressure or social pressure. Um, it's like, you know, having that, that reputation or that name that I was in this seminary. Um, so that's where I, you know, that's where I understand your question is coming from. And whether or not it's getting into this seminary or into another one, I do want to reassure you something that's been very helpful for me is that any time I go into an interview or I go into an opportunity, you know, um, before I knew this, I would be very stressed out and extremely, like you wrote, you know, intimidated, shy. Um, I, it was very hard because I would give so much power into the hands of the interview uh, mm. interviewer or the one that could have could give me this job or could accept me into whatever I'm trying to get accepted into 
And so when I do that, I go in, I'm stressed. I'm so like nervous during the interview. Right. And so something that I've heard actually through the 12 steps is the idea that it's all in God's hands. So it's all in Hashem's hands where you're supposed to be next year, whether it's supposed to be in the seminary that your parents want you to be in or the social pressure of a seminary or whether it's going to be in a smaller seminary. Um, that's all in God's hands. And so why am I sharing this? Because when you're going into an interview, it's helpful to know, and this helps me, that whatever I'm going to say or whoever I am, because, you know, you wrote, like, how do I represent myself in front of adults? So it's being yourself. It's being who you are. Right. And so whatever, so whoever I am and whatever I say or the way I act or whatever I'm, the way I'm dressed, if I'm supposed to get in, then everything I say and every way that I act is going to be that is going to get me in. And if I'm not supposed to be in the seminary or whatever opportunity is presenting itself, then whatever I say or the way I dress or whatever goes wrong is because I'm not supposed to be there. Hmm. And so for me, it really like eases the pressure and all that tension and all that shyness and inhibition that comes before because it's just going in knowing that this is all in Hashem's hands. And so even before going in, a lot of times I'll just be like, okay, Hashem, you know, help me. Like, you know, at least guide me or give me the words I'm supposed to say if I'm supposed to get in. Or, you know, if I don't say the right words, then help me get into the right place where I'm supposed to be. So that's just a really good tip and a very, very helpful um, tool as a Jew that I've been able to practice, you know, going into interviews, which are very nerve wracking. But just know that wherever you're supposed to get in, you're going to be there. And um, as far as, you know, like the interview itself, be who you are, be yourself, be authentic. Um, and, and you don't have to present yourself as anybody that you're not. And I also find that, um, you know, and she has taught me this, is that sometimes like we kind of lead with our weakness. So it's okay to, I don't know, sit in front of an interviewer and say, oh my gosh, I'm really nervous or, you know, I'm feeling really shy right now. And sometimes just opening up with that, with that sentence, they'll reassure you like, yeah, don't worry. Everybody comes in here and they're, you know, like you just kind of bring yourself in, be authentic. And also don't like, even if you are nervous and um, so many teen, teen girls out there, and I'm sure guys who are trying to get into yeshiva have the same feelings that come up. And so you're not alone. Um, I don't know if she has any more tips to make this easier for you. Yeah, I guess just the, if you're not, if they don't accept you for who you are, then that's not where you're supposed to be. I think that's what we're saying is that if you, you know, come in there and you're authentic and you are who you are and, you know, you're, you're accepted or even if you are accepted, but there's not space or whatever, then that's not where you're supposed to be and that you'll find a place where, um, you know, hopefully you'll have a, a better yeah. time or, or more accepting or, you know. Yeah. So just be yourself and, you know, wherever you're supposed to be, Hashem's going to lead you there. Next question. <coughs> Excuse me. My parents aren't getting along so well. It's really unsettling and painful. Do you have any tips? So I, I, I just I just want to say that it's very painful um, and, and the reason why it's so painful is because, um, as kids and as teens, you are, 
pretty much dependent on your parents for your safety and security to take care of you. You're not really able to be there on your own. You know, until you get a job and you start living on your own. But even then, you need parents. Parents are foundational. Parents are like a, you know, the 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 home base that uh, that everything else comes from. And when home base is shaky, that's really unsettling. I think the word unsettling is very very appropriate here. Yeah. A- and painful. You know, it's painful because for little kids, um, little kids cannot see their parents as being uh, un like they can't have their caregivers be rocky so what ends up happening is they blame themselves and i think teens might do this as well where you know if there's something that's out of your control then it's easier to kind of twist it a bit and make it about you because then that's something you can change you know if your parents are not getting along that's not something you can change and that is very painful and scary yeah um yeah. So I, I the only tips I can give you is to and I'm sure Bashi has a lot to add to this, but I the only tips I can give you is to get support for yourself. Either, you know, a good friend, a therapist, uh a trusted adult that you can speak with. Um recognize that it's not about you, it's not your fault. You know, be okay with feeling vulnerable and feeling unsettled and feeling scared. It's um, it's not easy. Um, you know, it's hard to see the future or it's hard to see that there will be an after. It kind of feels like it's always going to be this way. Uh, but these experiences do shape us. And, you know, sometimes they leave wounds and we have to deal with them. Um, but dealing with those wounds and, and working through those experiences does make us better people it kind of shapes who we are yeah um i could relate to this question and um i just want to say like i echo exactly what shua said that it is very unsettling and very painful um and the unsettling you know we want to we want to be um in a secure environment we want to you know like um be reassured that our parents care for each other and that they care about us and that, um, you know, everybody's looking out for each other and getting along. And then when this happens in a, in a home, it's exactly the way you described it. It's unsettling. It's painful. Um, a lot of times also unpredictable. And, you know, as far as any tips, like Shua said, you know, it's not going to be forever. It's very hard to see the, to see like, you know, that there's not necessarily an end, but that it's going to, become easier for you um and and again you know there's a reason why you're in this family why you have these parents who are your parents and why god chose for them to be there for you um and as far as tips you know how to get by like shua said i strongly recommend that you have someone that you can speak with Mm. um whether it's you know a trusted adult it could even be like an aunt or an uncle or a family member um and and also i think that um it's very painful to go through it also because i mean i know when i was growing up it's like everybody's home is like perfect and you know just seems like smooth sailing and everybody's just smiling and skipping along and and then it's like 
whatever's going on in my home is, you know, um, like it's only me that's going through this. Like my family, you know, has their problems and this and that. And so I, I find that the word painful, you know, really comes also along with the fact that nobody else has this situation at home. Everybody else's parents get along. Mm. And I just want to let you know that you never know what's going on in other people's homes. Right. When we compare, we're comparing what we're, what we're feeling on the inside to the way that other people present on the outside. Yeah. So like getting together with friends and going to school day in and day out, and then you have to come home to this situation, which it seems like nobody else has, has to deal with. Um, but at the end of the day, you are coming home to this house with these parents. And like Shua said, it's not something that you caused. It's not your fault. Um, some tips might be to, um, you know, if your parents are, are arguing and, you know, it's really loud or, um, you know, maybe putting on music in your ears to just tune it out. Um, right. Or something I just thought of is maybe uh, uh, finding someone whose parents are going through something similar. Maybe if you have a friend that you know whose parents, I don't know how you would find out, but if you have someone who's going through a similar situation, that could be a lot of support for you. Yeah, but you also want to make sure that you're not just looking out for friends whose parents, you know, don't get along and that's the basis of your friendship and you just kind of like, um, but yeah, maybe don't listen to me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, you know, announce in your class, hey, anybody else's parents not getting along? Um, No, but all kidding aside, it's it's not an easy situation to live through. Um, I'm going to tell you that you're going to get to the other side. You're, you're, you know, um, when we kind of like graduate from our homes and we move on to our own houses, there are lots of things that we learn from our parents that we bring into our homes that are valuable. And then there are things that, you know, we learn not to do. Um, And that's just a fact, you know, that happens in every home. And your kids will have the same types of things. Oh, yeah. So, you know, any tips? Um, I, I strongly recommend speaking to someone who you trust, who can validate, who can be there for you, even, you know, maybe even you, if you're up to it, you know, getting therapy, having a therapist help you navigate the relationship and the right. and the obstacles that are presenting themselves. And, and also to realize that there's a lot here that is out of your control and nothing that you caused. Um, there's... I, I just wonder maybe do it like doing extracurricular stuff, kind of getting involved with other things, doing things out of the house maybe might be helpful. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you are going to come home to this situation and it is your, you know, it is your situation for now, but, you know, reach out for help. And, you know, like we always, <clears throat> sorry, we always um, tell our, our viewers and, and listeners, um, to reach out to us as well if you want us to, you know, help um, guide you in, in a direction where you can have someone that um, you can speak with or who can help you out. So thanks for sending in this question, though. It's it's I'm sure a lot of other teens relate to it as well. So thanks again. Okay, All right. I'm, next question. I'm starting to dislike being a from religious Jew and it's hard for me. What should I do? Yeah, so I guess... Um... I guess the, the the thing to figure out is what is it about being a from religious Jew that you're starting to dislike? Because um, generally, it's not about the religion. I find that um, it's important to separate God 
and his representatives. And I find that a lot of people who are supposed to represent um, religion sometimes don't act in the best ways, and that's because people are people and they make mistakes. Um, and, you know, I heard once, and it's a little bit snarky, but I think it has a good point, is that, well, maybe it's not snarky. I, I think it's it just a, a very good point is that a guy came up to a, uh, and if anybody has a source for the story, it's a guy came up to a rabbi and said, you know, I don't believe in God. And the rabbi said, you know, the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. In other words, the from religious um, situation that you're in, or the, wh whoever's representing from religion, um, that's them, but it doesn't necessarily represent religion in general. Um, and I think it's important to kind of see what is it in your life that is turning you off from um, Judaism and, uh, you know, kind of work through those those things because I think that Judaism has a lot to offer and we all can find a place within it and uh, and, and from Kite and being connected to Hashem and, and doing Torah and Mitzvahs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just about figuring out what's preventing you from connecting to that. Right. So I, I was going to, you know, ask, like, what is religion to you? What is it? What is it? What is being from? Mm. And maybe that's the first question. Like, what does it mean to be from and religious? So for some people, that answer would be it means that you have to you have to dress a certain way and you have to. Like if you want to daven, you first have to um, wash negovasser, and you have to ha and you have to make sure that you know you're. In other words, um, for some people, the idea of frumkite being very religious comes with you have to have the whole package, and if you and if you leave out one little thing or if you don't do it properly, then you can't do it at all. Mm. So it's like an all or nothing. So that could be, you know, the home that they grow up in or the school or the authority figures. And for somebody else, being a from religious Jew can be, it means, you know, keeping Shabbos. It means eating kosher. Um, so my, you know, my, my, the first step I would wonder, you know, and maybe you can ask yourself is what is from and what is religious in your context, in your life? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, I think that there's also a difference between spirituality and, and religion. Sometimes religion is about the community standards or what people are expecting from you. And it's not so much about Hashem at that point. It becomes about more fitting in to what everyone else is doing. And there is an importance to that. There's school rules and there's community rules and, and guidelines. But it's also important to develop a relationship with Hashem, to develop a spirituality. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the frumkite, unfortunately, can get in the way of that. Uh, yeah, and and you know, like I. Yeah, you. What's that? No, no, I thought you were like still along your thoughts. Oh no, no, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm collecting my thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like maybe after, um, looking at what does frum mean to you and what does religious mean to you, um. And, and maybe it 
means that it's too it's too um you know some people describe it as it feels like it's too demanding or it feels like they're choking like they they can't do this they can't do that or it feels like you know they have to do this they have to do that and again that's not necessarily the way that god you know the way that he gave over like the way that hashem wants us to live he really wants us to feel connected and to feel um, loved and to feel, you know, happy and, and ha to have pleasure and to just be, um, to be, to want to follow in his ways. Um, and, and so if, you know, religion and frumkite for you is feeling very, um, cause you didn't write why, but there's a certain reason why you're disliking it. Maybe I would challenge you to try to think of someone that you've met or that's in your life that is from and religious that you look up to. Um, you know, or maybe they're not as from and religious as, you know, like people in your life want you to be, but, um, but maybe if you can think of someone that is religious or that is from and that someone that you look up to and what is it about them or the way that they, um, are living their lives that you can, that you want to emulate. And I just want to add before going on to the next question, uh, don't give up on yourself. You know, it's it could it's it's part of your growing process and it's part of your journey. Um, and the fact that you can send in this question and admit um, is very, very big. It's very courageous. I think I mean, I think from what you wrote, it sounds like you're starting to dislike and you're seeing a pattern and you don't like it and you want to stop it before it gets bigger. Um, and I think that's that's re a really, really good thing to do. Um, and yeah, don't give up on on this is part of the the um, you know, it's so cool. They have there's a vart. Um, it's not even like a, 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 a we're called B'nai Yisrael. And why did Yisrael get that name? Because it says that when Yisrael was going across the river to get the little pachim katanim, the little a, a, a little pots that he left by. Lavan, it says that a, a Malach came and started to wrestle with him. And his name changed from Yaakov to Yisrael because Kisarisa Imelekim Vanashim He was wrestling with with uh, spirituality. He was wrestling with spirituality. That's what makes us Jews. Mm. Wrestling with the idea of spirituality. You know, this is a very Jewish thing to do. Uh, uh, I, don't, I think that people who um, don't struggle with spirituality, don't have an authentic spirituality. So I think, you know, chazak, be strengthened and, uh, and, and just go on. This is part of your journey. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to read this one? Sure. I'm a fully religious Jew, but I have an addiction to sexual content. How can I get over it? So, um, breaking news alert. I'm a fully religious Jew, and I have a sexual addiction to uh, sexual content. Um, I shared about it on Chabad.org, um, and uh, so I think I, I am particularly qualified to answer this question. And thank you for sending it in. Um, so I I believe that an addiction to sexual content is actually a spiritual void, uh, because what we're looking for is a connection to something greater than ourselves. And when we see it in that, through that lens, uh, it's much more kind way of looking at ourselves when uh, with, we have this um, addiction. Uh, addiction is 
when we take a natural urge or natural desire and use it for unnatural means. So what that means is, let's say we all have a sexual uh, uh, desire. That's part of the way that we're created, the way that Hashem made us. And when we take that desire and we use it to, let's say, um, numb emotions or relieve stress or, um, or repress uh, memories that are difficult to, to uh, deal with, uh, that we're using something that Hashem created naturally and we're using it for unnatural uh, means. Um, how can you get over it? Uh, I don't know that you can fully get over it. You know, it's not like, um, it's not like uh, alcohol where you can cut out alcohol. We are created as sexual beings, and that means that sexuality is a part of our lives. So, it, it's a it's a it's a matter of developing a healthy relationship with it, and I think that that's a matter of uh, there are uh, support groups, twelve um, step, and other support groups that can be helpful with that. Um, it's a matter of really looking at what are you trying to escape from. You know, w- with addiction, it's never about um, the 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 substance or the process itself that we're using, but the it's really more about what we're using the process or the substance to escape from. And so, part of getting over it is creating a life that you don't need to regularly escape from. And figuring out what it is about your life that you need addiction to, to numb. Uh, that's part of it. You know, working on your midas, that ends up being a big part of it in the 12 steps. Working through your character defects, working through your resentments. Um, there's a lot of inner work that is tr- uh, brought to the fore with, with working on this. Right, and it also could be um, trauma, trauma-based, you know? Like yeah. it could be um, either sexual abuse or molestation um that was my experience absolutely yeah so it could be you know that's the root of the addiction of why you know you're you're running to that um substance or that you know way of numbing like shua said because it's too much to deal with on your own um and like shua said there's a lot of help out there i was gonna add like at the very beginning when shua introduced that he himself has you know gone through this so um i think you know, I know in the 12-step rooms, they introduce themselves as like a recovering addict. And so Shua does have a lot of years of recovery and Baruch also, Hashem. yeah, and also helps um, as a as a professional helps, you know, people navigate um, addiction. And, you know, so he's really the the guru on this. But if I can add my, my own two cents, um, first of all, I want to say that and we don't know if this is, you know, a male or female who sent in this question, but um, it's it's very, very um, common nowadays. So just to know that you're not alone in this, um, it's also the nature of this addiction is um, is very secretive. And when it's done in secret, it only breeds, it only, um, you know, it's, it, it, um, it, it, Addiction lives in dark places, and addiction loves secrecy. Yeah. Uh, secrecy breeds shame, and addiction lives in shame. Yes, I was looking for a word for breeds. It's like it it um it only creates it, more. It creates more shame, and shame is all about like I am a mistake. Like there's something terminally wrong with me, and especially because, you know, um, 
um, schools are not necessarily open about this this concept. Religious schools, particularly. Yeah, um, and or you know people, you know religious boys or girls are not going around admitting and saying you know I'm addicted to um, sexual content or pornography, and so it's really like you know. Uh, there's this feeling among a lot of teens or, you know, people who struggle with this, like, you know, it's what's wrong with me? Like, like, how could I be religious? And also I'm looking at these things or I'm, you know, I keep going to these things because I've really become addicted to it. Um, and and so, you know, I just wanted to add that piece like that. You're not alone in this. Right. And nowadays it's also a lot easier to mm. get, you know, to to have access. Yeah. yeah. So to have access to this type of content, it's a lot easier nowadays, even for people who don't have um, Internet or screens, um, you know, you can just go to the mall and, you know, as people are, sh uh, I don't know, as people are walking through the mall, there's pictures, there's there's um, billboards as you're driving. Like it's not necessarily something that is is difficult to um to have access to nowadays yeah we live in a society that is pervasive with sexual content yeah but i i just wanted to add one more thing that what shua was saying you know about not getting over it that it's something you know it's not necessarily something that is just going to go away um what i've learned you know through our process and our journey as a couple is you know that shua's taught me as well and even um you know just relating to the to the nature of this of the content that you described it's that maybe you won't get over it but it's learning how to um respect a woman's body or to respect you know anyone's body for that matter because when people are um you know having access to pornography or sexual content it's objectifying someone's body mm. which is not the way that we're created and it's it's like you know just um and i know that that content is also like very accessible and it's just out there and for me you know it's it's learning that it's all about respecting our own body but also respecting someone else's body like it's not just about you know the way that someone looks or the way that it makes us feel it's it's about um i don't know shua you fill me in here but like i'm i feel like yeah i kind of lost my I mean, tangent it's, but it's it's about um objectifying means that it's not about the person it's it's not about their personality or who they are or what makes them a person individual their strengths and their weaknesses and and their struggles and talents, talents. it's about just their physical attributes and uh, the, the dangerous thing about sexual content particularly pornography is that it, um, it 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 creates a dependency and it and it creates a new normal and the, the thing is that what used to what people would find exciting in the beginning of their journey with these types of things they don't find exciting um, very quickly on and eventually uh, you'll need more and more extreme type of, th of things and there are very extreme types of uh, behaviors and um, it's important that you recognize that you know d doing this work for yourself is not only good for you as a person as a, someone who can connect with other people and can grow um, but it's also good for your 
eventual uh, married life because it, it can create tremendous problems, uh, both physically and uh, with uh, intimacy. Right. And also, like we always say, there's help, there are resources, there are support groups, there's so much out there. Yeah. And you deserve it. You're worth it. And like Shua said, you know, your future relationships are worth it because this really will affect, you know, um, in so many ways. And so the fact that you can send in this question is unbelievably, um, um, I don't know, I use the word courageous already tonight, but it is um, the first step towards recovery and towards getting help. Yeah. And um, thanks for reaching out. And again, if you need any pointers or any um, guidance to help you um, find the resources and the help that's out there please reach out to us let um, us know absolutely and uh, we're here for you that's what that's what Jewish Teen Talk is for yeah okay final question of the day what is the issue with going to college I'm in 10th grade I'm from and all I'm planning I'm from and all and I'm planning on going to college, but my grandparents don't want me to go. Can you help me understand why college isn't for from boys? So, um, so I, I grew up in, um, you know, from school, and we had letters of the Rebbe and um, the Lubavitch Rebbe, yeah, the Lubavitch Rebbe, and many discussions about not to go to college and not to go to university and why it's harmful and and. Um, you know, very, very um, clear letters that were written to either a boy or a girl who were considering to go to college or university. Um, and I myself, when we would have those classes, was not planning on going to college or university. Like mm. I was going to, you know, I was fine with um, following the system. And after graduating from high school, I went to seminary, like I said, for two years. And then on to teaching and then getting married, going on shlichos, like the whole, you know, like... The whole uh, nine yards. Yeah. And um, everything played out fine. Um, and I was on that road until um, I had my fourth child and had um, an emotional meltdown. I had a very difficult time after that and ended up... Um, stuck without a job because I was a teacher and I was only back to myself and fully healthy um, and back to my usual self mid-year. So before I knew it, I ended up in university, make a long story short. Um, the reason why I'm sharing it is because when we were learning about why not to go to college and university, it didn't really speak to me. Like it didn't mean anything to me. Mm. Um, it just felt like this, okay, fine, you know, advice or and then when I actually have been through it and I've been in that environment, I can definitely, I definitely understand why it is, it could be harmful in many ways. Um, but, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, it's spiritually. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I can, I can explain like, you know, from my, from experience, like why college isn't the best place for a from boy or from girl, for a religious boy or girl. I, I guess I can also share because I went to a uh, from university for for social work to become a therapist and I um, recognized that Baruch Hashem I had from professors and we were learning some lots of crazy stuff. Uh, uh, there's lots of um, ideas and and concepts uh, in um, 
social work that a that are against the values of from people um things that society holds that are okay and normal that yiddishkeit from um Torah yiddishkeit does not believe in uh and i think it was i i realized that for me to have from professors who are able to guide me and say you know, this is something that you might, if you're going to deal with this in your social work profession, you'll need to ask ask a rav because this is going to be something that's against halacha. I appreciated that very much, and that wasn't something that I I was I would have gotten if I would go to a regular college. I think that if you're considering college, I would highly recommend going to one of the um, from colleges because of, you know just the way that they present things. Also, in today's day after October seventh. Uh, I cannot stress enough how much colleges have become hotbeds for anti-Semitism, for um, anti-Jewish uh, uh, sentiment, just absolutely incredibly disturbing things that are becoming okay and openly spoken about on college campuses. Um, it's very, very uncomfortable to be a Jew on most college campuses nowadays. Unfortunately, that's the reality. Um I know of situations where a student was in a PhD program and was writing about um, conflict and was told, and this is a, a from Jew, that in order to graduate, they need to include something about how um, something about how the way that Israel is dealing with things is is comparable to genocide, uh, and which is obviously something that's you know, not uh, something that most of we don't believe we're 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 defending ourselves, uh, but I think that in university and college there are lots of situations where you'll be placed uh, in contradiction to the things that you hold that are true, or the things that you hold true might shift. And yeah. if being from is important to you, then uh, it's important to. Um, you know, have a, have a, a a good idea of what going into college means for from Jew. Yeah, so you know, even topics and subjects and teachers and content that you're learning that you know could really negate Judaism and our belief system um, and our values. And like Shua said, you know, nowadays, especially in that environment, there's a lot of anti-Semitism um, that may have been dormant before, but now you know for some reason. It's you just know, in full full view. Yeah. And also, I wanted to add that um, going to college um, or university um, um, is also a place, you know, with uh, both female, both girls and boys. And, um, you know, for me, like when I went to university and I went as a married woman, it made a bit, it was very, very, it was a very big difference because um, it wasn't my, um, my main occupation. Like, you know, people who go to college after high school, it's, it's They're doing uh, it full time. Yeah, you're doing it full time. You're there all day. You're then you have the study partners, the people you're studying with. For me, like, especially after marriage, it I, I re like, I always say that if I would have gone to college after high school, I wouldn't be from now, for sure. Because the environment, the way that the people are talking, the way that they're acting, um, it's tricky. Like, you know, Matt, you're put into a, 
study group or you're put into a project with other with girls and then you know they want to hang out or then you know where are you studying it's 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 a it's a very different environment a than, slippery slope yeah and very different than a yeshiva a yeshiva school or you know base rifka or whatever from school you're going to so there's definitely a reason why your grandparents are discouraging you from going The, the interesting thing is, is that nowadays in yeshivas and, and you know, Yidin with professional degrees are, are highly sought after and respected. So I'm not, we're not discouraging you from getting a degree by any, by any means, but it, you do need to do a lot of research and figure out how you can best ensure that your values and who you are as a from Yid is going to be maintained through your university experience. Yeah, and I hope that we gave you a bit more of an, an understanding of why it's not necessarily um, conducive for from boys to go to college. But then again, like Shua said, there are many from options out there, um, whether virtual or in person, and um, that might be worth exploring. So we just want to thank everybody for listening in today and tuning in and sending in your questions um and keep sending them in we appreciate all the questions we try to get to them uh as soon as possible thank you for for staying with us um you know uh, uh, last couple of uh weeks have not been so consistent and we appreciate your continued support of jewish teen talk keep sending in your questions and if you'd like to be featured in a future episode a roundtable discussion uh for sure uh, reach out jewishteentalk.com thanks everyone take care of a good week